Welcome back to this week's episode of Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. And I'm Crick. And on today's episode, we're going to be creating show tunes about Watchmen. Ready, set, go. We're talking about Watchmen. The book about superheroes. Well, we tried. Yeah, we tried. I just wanted to test our ad-lib skills. Oh, I'm awful at ad-libbing. It's but not a. It's you can't not even ad lib the word ad lib. Ab Ablidden is a hot sex term. Eblin is where you buy shoes. Is it? My dad wrote a porno where he calls it vaginal lids. I think that's vaginal, my. Yeah. I, I think that's my dad wrote a porno. Yeah, that that is yes, yeah. vaginal lids. No, uh, it's not. They, that's bad. Yeah, they they don't have lids. I well, I mean, in a, like very descriptive sense, they do. I mean, we usually like call them like lips. But like no, lids, lids, yeah, the lids. Also, lips also is... the vagina's inside. It's the vulva that's exterior. True. Yeah, that's true. And also, lips isn't more appealing than lids. Oh no, no, like, it's, that, it's it's just accepted. Yeah, it's, but it's not appealing. No, it's not appealing word whatsoever. Ugh, vaginas are gross, man. <laughs> Women are gross, man. You're married to one. Yeah, she's gross, man. Okay, yeah, yeah it's just well, bad. you heard that, Franny. Uh, um, brr, 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 today. We're go- so I'm not, I'm not actually sure how this one will go, um, for all intensive purposes, as the saying goes. Yes, uh, those purposes are very intensive. It's it's dramatically different than the previous two. We're on chapter four, called Watchmaker. Um, it it, it does so it first issue that doesn't do the back and forth storytelling, yep. which is kind of neat. Um, it's also just one man's retelling of his past in a non-linear fashion, although. It is. We'll get there. Yeah, and I, I was about to say it is both nonlinear and linear. So this this issue right here. Okay, full disclaimer. My personal favorite issue in the book. I absolutely love this issue, and this specific moment slash obviously Doctor Manhattan is the reason that this show this book has been called unfilmable, Fil- filmable, which I disagree with. I think both the movie and people are saying the show did it very well. So I'm actually. I, I disagree that this is what did, but back in the '80s when this came out, I can yeah. imagine it being a much different time to try to do something like this. So, oh I'll yeah, give, as, I'll give them that. As filming techniques get better as time goes on, more things that were considered impossible become right possible. from editing to effects to all sorts of things. But so this right here is is one of the things they they said would make it uh, unable to put to the screen. And I don't disagree entirely, it's just we've seen it finally happen, which is great. Yeah. But still, the other thing I was going to say was, this right here is why Dr. Manhattan cannot control time. This this issue right here tells you everything you need to know about his ability to get, because he doesn't control it, he perceives it. Yes. And the motherfucking pieces of shits... Uh, Tommy included, and the people who wrote before Watchmen, and the people... Well, I'll get to Doomsday Clock in a minute. This right here, he cannot control time. Oh, yeah, I think it's really difficult for most people to, like, grasp it. Mm-hmm. Firmly grasp it. Firmly grasp it. To grasp the concept, because we think in a very linear fashion, right. because we experience time in a linear fashion. Right. But It's the only way we can. 
people uh, so there is the hippies that believe we can get past that barrier but no. yeah whatever but dr manhattan explicitly states mm-hmm. that he does not experience it in a linear manner mm-hmm. he's experiencing it all concurrently right so when he learned about you know all the people getting cancer and whatnot and he showed and he's surprised mm-hmm. one would think oh how is he surprised he knows that was going to happen but he's still experienced that in the moment right whether or not he perceives that in the past present or future also, he can only experience his time we'll get yep. to that later with the jfk thing he can only experience his time i he can't he has no idea well is he first off he's a fictional character yeah. but second off he can't experience my life at all even if even if he was outside of the house right now he has no idea what we're doing he can only experience his time um in the way that he does so doomsday clock when we get to reading that actually i wanted to talk to you about shutdown and how many episodes we can maybe do that way we can i, I just want to read more and watch more watch and stuff okay anyways we'll get to that after the cast doomsday clock i actually reread that issue and i kind of changed my opinion on how they do time control in that because it's not necessarily time control there's so many universes in the dc universe and he's experiencing each of them oh it's, it's but anyways we'll get to that so this issue starts with the most important thing in uh, that gave this thing legs to have many sequels and stuff the photo of dr manhattan and uh janie put- slater boom you know, I'm not good with names, uh, from when they were at the circ- uh, fest fair, boom, together in 1959, I think, 1954, I won 1950, it. yeah, 1959, boom, Yep. New 59. Jersey Palisades Amusement Park. So before we get into um, how we're going to read it and talk through, because I think this one might be short the, as far as a cast goes, because it is, it doesn't have the back and forth storytelling and all Yeah. In... Every panel, until we get into some of the mini-stories, he's talking about a different time in his life. So you, you were just saying, he do, he experiences everything in his life at once. So he can say, I'm here, because this is all in his head. This isn't real life talking out loud. Um, he can be in that place talking to that person at the exact same time he's making out with uh, Lori, at the exact same time he's watching the comedian kill a Well, let's person. use the proper comic book term. Right. Chasing jailbait. Correct, yes. Sorry, oh, my apologies. Because he does, as a creepy god, make out with a 16-year-old. That's true. Which isn't weird, but it is weird. Yeah. Because he's yeah. technically really old, but he's also above the moral consciousness in that form. But it's uh, not it, weird. and It's sort of the idea that uh, we, as humans, as more evolved than chimpanzees, are not beholden to chimpanzee law. Right. So... He being more than what we are is not beholden to our law. Right. But he still has the sentience of a human, so it kind of like but this conflicts is, a this lot. Is, and, and this does actually show a good job of young Dr. Manhattan. I'm not talking John Ulsterman. Young Dr. Manhattan, when he, fir- young, when he first is him, is still dramatically more human than 1980s Dr. Manhattan. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so it does show that, that transition pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know how to jump into describing this issue uh at all yeah that is that's gonna be the hardest part um so the given let's start there i was talking about the the issue the big thing and if you remember from the last chapter three called whatever it was called just kidding i actually got lucky and opened there the judge of all earth 
he left for Mars. So that's where we'll start. He's on Mars right now, sitting on oh, a rock. And the title of this issue is Watchmaker. Watchmaker. Yeah, I said that at the beginning. Um, which the quote is actually really awesome for that. Oh yeah. Uh, this whole issue ties together in a really awesome way um, about what it means to be a watchmaker and where the world changes with him involved. Uh, he is in, on Mars because he ran away because of the whole cancer thing. And he, before he went there, he stopped in. I think we talked about that at the end of the last chapter. He stopped into a little bar that's all freaking run down. And yeah. It's a test facility. Arizona. Yep. Uh, Tulsa, right? Tulsa, Arizona? No, no. Tulsa's no. Oklahoma. Tulsa's Oklahoma. There's, it's um. It says the town. Yeah, it's. I just don't know. Starts it. with the G. Gil, Gil something. Yeah. Gil, Gilbert. I don't know. Uh, so. Say, um. Gila Flats. Gila Flats. It's so hard to find something in this issue because everything's all over the place. He f- gets the picture and he takes it with him to Mars. So everything in this in this issue keeps going back to. He's sitting there admiring the picture and remembering, well, living. He's not, you know, he's living his life. Um, And he decides to drop it, leave it on the the sands of Mars, and build himself a castle, basically. It's more of like a glorified deck, if we're being honest. Yeah. But it's a castle. Balcony. He uses the term balcony. He does say balcony of his glass deck that looks like watch cars. And then he watches the first... Uh, meteorites show up for this meteor storm that he's already told you is coming soon and that's pretty much all that happens on mars this issue yeah that's it he drops the picture he raises the belt the glass he stands there that's that's what dr manhattan does and in he, current timeline of the rest of the watchman characters yeah and he's like oh man it's so nice and quiet here yeah and or he in, would probably like this oh yeah he does say that <laughs> yeah and in doing that he walks you through just random moments in his life that he is living oh this is i'm already confused yep. I'm, I, it's not confusing to read i'll say that yeah it is very straightforward to read in a way that is super digestible for how convoluted it is it's super digestible yeah like going through it it all makes sense but when you try to explain it and that's why people say it's unfilmable. That's that's why it has that tag of like how how do you put this into something else? But I think a good way to explain it is just first say what points of time he's actually like experiencing and then we can talk about whichever ones we want to. Fair, fair. So let's start all the way back then. Let's let's go to Dr. Manhattan as a kid, uh, John. Yeah, it's uh like he's a he looks old for a teenager, but I think he's supposed to be a teenager. They draw him like Hank Hill. Yeah. He's just ready to sell propane and propane accessories. But father, like... all I want to do <laughs> is make watches God and watch dang it, accessories. Daddy. <laughs> he's got like a flat top and a widow's peak and a super chiseled jaw. But the, the theme of this issue is that once the atomic bomb drops, the world changes. And as a further analogy... Once the atomic man, Dr. Manhattan, shows up, the world changes. And did either accomplish what the American government wanted them to accomplish? No. That's, no. What, the, that's what the final little... Because we're done oh, yeah, with Hollis blurb. Mason's Under the Hood. Yep. Which I did not realize we were already done with. But yeah, it was only three chapters. It's a hell of a lot of book for three chapters, but... Yep. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go all the way back. He is... His father's a watchmaker. This is in, like, the 20s or some shit. Uh, 45. It's August 7th, 1945. Uh, The Brooklyn morning is humid and the fire escape door has been left open. So he's working on an old watch his dad has 
Dad comes busting in, looking like an old mob boss, uh, has the newspaper about the atomic bomb, and basically says, the watchmaker's job is a thing of the past. You're getting into science. Yep. Like, if this is what we're doing, if we're murdering people with atomic bombs, you're getting into science, you're going to be successful. Watchmakers are a thing of the past. And he's like, Albert Einstein says that time is relative, so what's the need for a watch anyways? And just throws it out the window. Well, he's not wrong, so it's actually kind of funny. I, I had something similar happen, not nearly to this effect. I mean, life's not a comic book, but I remember growing up, my dad's a carpenter and has been one his... Well, no, he was in the military for eight years, but... He was a carpenter for as long as I can remember, and now he's, like, um, the superintendent boss guy who goes jobs to job and inspects work and checks their budgets and whatever. You know, fa fancy higher-up man that the guy swinging the hammer judges. You know the yeah. type. And so growing up, I was I always was like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a carpenter. Like, yeah, I'll do this. I never learned the skills. All of my brothers are dramatically better than me. But the point is, I wanted to. I was like, Dad, that's awesome. And I can't remember how old I was, but I told Dad... I wanted to be a carpenter growing up, and he's like, no, 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 you, this isn't the life I want you to have, it's, you know, bad on your body, it's long hours, it's low pay, like, you don't, uh. so he told me to get into, like, coding and shit, like, computers and stuff, which I didn't listen at all, I mean, I like computers, but I, I didn't, so that similar thing is kind of, like, something super relatable that I'm sure everyone has experienced in some form, where you're like, I want to do this cool-ass thing. And everyone's like, "That's the future is something else. Don't fucking worry about building watches. But he wanted to. And he, and he ends up making a watchtower. All along it, he walks uh, looking at the stars. I don't remember the lyrics to all along the watchtower to be able to do more lyrics and whatever. You know it. You know the song. Bob Dylan song. Bob See what Dylan. I did there? I didn't go Jimi yeah. Hendrix because no. I respect crediting the originators. He was the he was the original. I get it. No, but he was right. Bob Dylan didn't also do it as a cover. Yeah, he was the original. Wait, was it? I'm pretty sure Bob Dylan was the original. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, that's for the birds. On to the next thing. And then it's like, it is 1948, and I am arriving at Princeton University. It is 1958, and I am graduating with a PhD yeah, in atomics he physics. Cooks through his accomplishments. He basically said, oh, well, no, so he did try to stop his dad from tossing the watch stuff off the balcony. That's the whole point. The cogs are falling. That's like the theme, you know, t time moves on. The cogs are falling. There's nothing I can do. So, yeah, he gets his degree, goes, meets his good old buddy, old pal Wally. Um, well, first he meets Professor Glass, which his oh, first true. name is Milton. Oh, what a name. Uh, we had a friend growing up, Milbert Hoagland. <laughs> But we didn't know that was his name because as a young, young boy, he changed it to Mason Legate, which was the, his middle name. So it was Milbert Mason Hoagland. So he changed it to Mason, made his first name, and Legate was his stepfather that he had for seven years that he calls his dad, real dad. So he became... Anyways, we don't let him live it down. It's Milbert Hoagland. Milbert! So Milton Glass is way cooler than Milbert Hoagland, but point is, nerd name. Yeah, stupid nerd. Oh, Glass. Foreshadowing. Wow, what a, he's a, he's a real he's a real J.K. Rowling with his tie-ins. I tell I tell you what, uh, and then he uh, is just oh yeah hey oh yeah Wally we meet Wally Weaver around. who as we know gives him a cancer tour, uh, gets cancer yeah and probably is a cancer that's like what August or something you're born yeah. something like that 
He, oh, uh, you, yeah. You, <laughs> I was talking astrology. I'm so sorry. Yeah, um, I only know mine because uh, it's me, and the others are like, well, uh, this is all garbage. Yeah, anyways. I'm Taurus, and who knows? Even Franny's is only the one before me. It's the, whenever you're looking at it, the one I still don't know, man. Yeah. I don't care. Aries or some shit. I don't care. Astrology is stupid, but you know moon affects the oh you're just saying that because you're a taurus yeah oh yeah because i'm so stubborn you know i don't take crap from i'm not even that stubborn okay i am but so is everybody oh yeah that's true come on anyways i think that's called being an american right a united states of american okay i'm trying to give american back to north and south america so that's what it takes to be a united states american (laughs) all right you stick to it I want you to use that at work and stuff. I'm a United States American. There we go. See, it feels powerful. It's Why a- don't we just call us like a something like a, a uni or a, a, a statesman? A statesman. A fucking statesman. Statesman's way better because uni implies like you got one ball. Uh, I, uh, what about? Uh, I don't have one ball. A unity? A unit? Uh, a unite? A unite? Yeah, you're a unite. A unite's not bad. Ooh, yeah. It sounds a little fascist. Oh, that's... It sounds a little well, Aryan. It, you know, with the... No, occur, hey, not occur. a political podcast. <laughs> Although, reading the... Bur- back to Watchmen, reading the blurb at the end, I was like, oh, this is super fucking topical for... T- I'm going... Oh, I didn't yeah. go far enough. Uh, talking about, like, thinking you're more than you are and, like, might as well just murder both of us. So, yeah, crazy. Um, So, Wally gives him a, a tour of the, fac- of the facile and shows him... Uh, what they're working on, and this is actually, I didn't know this was fake science. Alan Moore created this. I just always assumed uh, writers researched more and didn't just make stuff up. I was wrong. So they're investigating intrinsic fields, which is a field that holds item like matter together that's not just gravity. Because like, the reason I bought it was because you remember in science class how they talk about the most crazy fact ever. That's 99% empty space. No, it's not. It's hard glass. And you're like, how does it stay together? So I always just kind of, when I read this, when I was... Chemical bonds. Yeah, when I read this when I was like 16, I was like, yeah, all right, intrinsic fields. Fancy word, fancy book. All right, I'll buy it. Not real. Not real at all. Yeah, we know what holds stuff together for the most part as far as like that level. Yep. Atomic level, so. Anyways... Oh yeah, it's uh everything can be broken down into one of four forces: electromagnetic, gravity, strong force, or weak force. The so far, yeah, which, we might find something cool. That's true, and uh, like other than strong and weak, I don't actually know what the fuck that means. Yeah. I just know those are forces. Magnetic it, metals, man, like metals and like forces, man. Oh, you go no. to the South Pole, you got a South magnetic field, man. Well, strong and weak are like super small, and then electromagnetic oh. is just. Well, that's just electricity going through. Science is crazy, dude. Oh, I don't remember. Science sh- is I crazy, dude. I don't remember shit from A school. I learned so much about magnets and then forgot about let, it. Let the nerds at Princeton take care yeah. of it. Fucking, we'll just read yeah. our books. And then they go into an intrinsic field thing and become Dr. Manhattan. Uh, ooh, no, too fast. He just shows him it and he's like, oh yeah, we got a lot of good hey, safety Hey, as we said, here. he's experiencing this all at once, so right. I can go to whatever page <laughs> on here. Oh, so You know well, what? I'm going to... There's a circulatory system walking through the kitchen. No, See, I can do that. that far. I can you do can't, that. Because we can't experience it like that. Oh, yeah, Only you're right. Only he can. You're right. We okay. have to experience it page to page. Back to Wally Weaver, who is a well-meaning but not super smart guy. It, yeah, he's kind of a doofus scientist. Yeah. He's like that guy who got A's on the test, but when you asked him how, he's just like, you know, man, I showed up and I wrote down answers. Let's go have some beers. And you're like, 
so you're smart, but you're an idiot. Oh, it reminds me of that scene from The Simpsons where with Frank Grimes, and he's like, asked Lenny and Carl, how did you guys get this job? Oh, we both had master degrees. What about Homer? Oh, he just showed up the first day. <laughs> yeah, okay, he's the Homer <laughs> of the Watchmen universe. Uh, actually, he kind of is. He's kind of a fat boy, too. Because Homer's yeah. a fat boy. I'm not judging. Uh, but they, you know, he shows him, as everything in this book does, if someone... Ex- introduces something to to you as the reader just it means something you know if this is your first time reading through this this is our time lock test vault you're reading an issue that travels through time and mm. dr manhattan we know it was an experiment time you know that kind of over the top showing you what it does uh and it's meant to separate objects from their intrinsic field woo no radiation gets out. Yep. And this is the only the first time where he's not jumping time too much because he they leave there and they go to this little rundown bar. And I actually really liked this part um, for later in the issue too. He walks into the bar and he experiences deja vu. Like I've been there before. Oh, real quick pause on that. What do you think deja vu is? Just your mind playing tricks on you? Ooh. Because um, if you want to get into the non-scientific fun stuff, I have a theory. Well... There is a completely illogical thought that I have that is probably not true whatsoever. Right, those are the ones I'm after. Yeah, yeah. Because before you do that, there is actually a uh, mental illness where you experience deja vu every moment of your life, and those people won't like leave their house because they're like, I already did it. Oh. Like, because they're stuck in the loop of thinking they know what they did. Anyways, what's the what's the dumb one? Oh, um, pretty much the fact that. Uh, Time is more circular and just oh all right so goes around. Yep. So really, you're just remembering something you already experienced, even though you haven't experienced it yet. Oh. And it usually comes in the form of like some form of a precognitive uh, dreaming, right? Where I will dream something, and then later on Do I'll experience it, right. and then I'm like, oh. I dreamt that. How is that possible? So that's actually the one that I think is the most logical is you've thought it up, whether it be subconsciously dreaming, whatever, you've thought it up and then you're finally experiencing it. So you're like, oh. yeah, that's the one that I think is the most like possible. The one, But the time one sounds awesome. Like you've lived it before. Yeah. That's way that, cooler. That's what I want to be. That's way cooler. Do I think that's probably how it is? Pro- no, probably not. There's, There's two that I like. As this isn't ones. that Ben Affleck movie where he, you know, does a bunch of stuff it and then be. wins the lottery. It might be that Ben Affleck movie. It might be that Ben Affleck movie. I like to think of two. One, uh, it's doing a very similar item or having a very similar uh, conversation that you've had in a past life. So if reincarnation is via- real, I would like to think that when I say to someone, man, I love cheese pizza. Well, me in the 40s, also really loved cheese pizza and said that exact same thing to someone. The other one, my more preferred one, because it opens up the door for way cooler shit, is it's multiversal overlap. Hmm. Multiverse is anything can happen at any time, every decision. Oh, Mandela effect? Right. So that's the time when two of them merge and then separate again. You just happen to be thinking you lived it because you're lined back up with a different multiverse. When in reality, it's most likely that your brain is just really good at tricking you into yeah, thinking Your brain's things. just like, dude, you totally did this. Oh, man, I yeah. must have done that. Yeah, I did it. He's so right. <laughs> so anyways, the reason I'll get back to why I thought that was really awesome, the way they use deja vu here, because uh, later in the issue. So he walks into the bar, experiences it, and then it shows the next panel, him walking into the bar as Manhattan, not John, uh, when it's all run down, broken, decrepit. And he even says the floor rotted floorboards collapse ceiling. And he meets Janie. 
Big Mama Janie, classic 1950s housewife looking doll with the black flipped hair, you know, the little the little the little flip, yeah. little flip flip. Yeah, I don't know what to call it. Um, uh, I would call it the Mary, uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, I look just like Buddy Holly. Hmm. Oh, oh, and you're Mary Tyler Moore. Oh no. Yeah, I was going to weezer you there for a minute. He uh she talks to him, she's like, "Oh wow, you're so young for a sign." She's clearly making the moves on him. Yeah. And she offers to buy him a drink, which in this day and age is incredibly rare. Hmm. Woman doesn't buy the man the drink. We all know. Oh, well, he was like, oh, yeah, my dad kind of pushed me into things. I, yeah. I'm used to people pushing oh. me into things. And she's like, okay, I'll get you the beer then, dude. Yeah, that happens to me a lot. Other people seem to make all my moves for me. That's fucking Helen Moore. What a guy. Because, you know, Dr. Manhattan says, you know, we're all puppets. I can just see the strings. Like roll back to when he couldn't see the strings yeah everybody makes it because he's very people claim this book is like pure nihilism and i don't necessarily agree with that at all um there what is the what is the philosophical sense that everything's determined like kyle was talking about is it determinism yeah everything is already laid out and we just live we just we're, we're just rolling through it yeah it's so the idea that um actions have a cascading effect because when you do something you were affecting Many things around you, including Butterfly. both people and inanimate objects. Mm -hmm. Thus, if you're doing something and there's seven billion other people doing things, and there's in and there's other living things doing things, and then yeah. there's inanimate objects just a acting, rock rolling down a yeah, hill. Yeah, you have a cascading effect of trillions of things acting at once. So you're under the influence of so many different factors that there is only a very limited range that. Whoops, I it's the nice thing about yeah. the arm. Probably didn't hear it. You can even see the spikes. Oh. That's what makes the arm so nice. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you have trillions of things affecting you at any given moment that you really only have a limited range of which you can actually react to it. Mm -hmm. Thus, most likely, your path is already determined by everything else acting within the universe at the a and simultaneous manner so on and so forth for their actions and then free will is just an illusion that our brain comes up with to justify why we're acting in such a way what if i just slapped you right now huh that's mm. that's my free will <laughs> that is that my window is my little chance to react slapping my friends well i said this to you oh you because you said something to me <laughs> you you yeah. rascal okay i see that actually that makes a lot of sense but i don't like it I don't like that. I prefer to think I'm my own man. I'm every woman. It's all I'm in me. Yeah, every, every woman. woman. It's all in me. I, I noticed know. high high pitched peaks it. Yeah. Mics are very sensitive to high, maybe is that what gain does? I only ever looked it up once. Well, we we could do more research. Watchmen. Watchmen. So she gets him a beer, you know, he foreshadows that everything happens. And uh, this is actually another important one that he keeps going back to. There's three or four moments in his life where he's constantly just like I interpret them as the important moments. As to him, the human side of Manhattan, they're the moments he chooses to visit over and over. And the, it's a fat man. And it's a fat man. Well, no, so that one, I meant the I meant the glass when she hands oh, him yeah. the beer. But yes, <laughs> the fat man too. Oh, I'm already to the next page. Yeah. But yeah, the beer is one of them. Now, we'll see that panel again a couple more times. Yeah, uh, because he, he says that, you know, as she passes it to him, their fingers touch. That to him. So the 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 dropping the photo and the glass so far are the two things that we're going to see a few times. Yeah, because this, uh, this issue is a lot about causality. Yeah. Which actions prior to him becoming Manhattan 
led to this point of him being him and yeah and he'll actually like ask those questions at the end of the issue but to and go this, on and this is and it also lays out um you know uh, it's 1963 we're making love after an argument our tenderness in direct proportion to his violence that comes later in the issue about the earrings and also it's 1966 and she's packing ter- tearful careless with anger that's when she leaves him because he's cheating on her so like it gives you all this. There's no such thing as a spoiler in this issue. Oh yeah, it's all happening. Yeah, he'll he'll tell you all of it, and then we get to see it later, or yeah. right now, or oh yeah, this is actually it does give you a couple of them. Um, that picture that he's holding, by the way, they were not a couple at that time. Yep. She just happened to come to town the same time as he did because her, her her mother lives there. Um, and they go to the. They're like, oh well, we can you know good friends in the same place. I've actually had that happen where I'm in a state not my home state or their home state where I've met up with a friend just because it worked out. Thing, everything's laid out for me. I didn't do it. It was going to happen any... Yeah, You're sure. really breaking my brain today, Craig. Yeah. I don't like this. This is my least favorite issue of Watchmen now. <laughs> and they're, they're just the random guy on the side of the street. Hey, uh, young lovers, hold it over there. Let me take a picture of you two. And he's like, oh, we're, we're not. We're not. And she's yeah. like, shut up, you idiot. He's being a real Dan Dryberg, I like to call him. Yeah. A real night owl. And she's just like, you're making it really hard for me to fuck you. Yeah, you're being... <laughs> Come on, man. I just want to fuck you. And he's like, well, no, I don't know. Oh, I'm saving you for marriage. You think a jaw that chiseled would be more down to fuck? That's a real DTF jaw, and he's just so intimidated by her. But they yeah. take... She's they, got that power pussy. She got that... You ain't kidding. Yeah. And he does not she's have big dick energy. No, she's no. got big dick energy. Yeah, she's got the big dick in the relationship. Are the, are the youths still saying that? I... Don't know. Is it just all OK Boomer? Is OK Boomer even a real thing? Because I've never heard a youth actually use that phrase. I've only seen it online, not in person. Uh, pictures, like memes, yeah. or old people saying that young people are saying it. I think, like, you wouldn't actually hear someone say it because no one wants to talk to a fucking boomer. Yeah, and it's it's just it's also one of those overly cringy things that sounds like Fox News made it up to start a controversy. Yeah, it's also like... I wouldn't say that More on because Christmas, for example. this one boomer I work with, I wouldn't say that. I'd rather just yell at him because he's an awful yeah. human being. Hey, fuck you. Racism's bad. And then walk away. <laughs> yeah, like that. It's that. It's like, no, don't say that about <laughs> black people. It's not very complicated. Or, hey, that term is anti-Semitic. Yeah. Or don't make comments about women uh, like that. It can't be anti-Semitic. The Holocaust didn't happen. Hmm. Right? So no such thing as anti-Semitism. Also, the problem with that is Jews aren't the only Semites. There's... Arabs are also Semites. Oh, so basically all of America is super anti-Semitic? Oh, yes. <laughs> America's super anti-Semitic. They're like, Islam, that's a sorry, super... Sorry, The statists. Oh, the statists. Where... Wait. Statists is also like Hitler and Stalin were statists. Ah, fucking labels, dude. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're just Americans. Yeah. I can't... I tried to change it. I tried to shoehorn in something for the future, and I fucked up. I'll come up with something more. Unis doesn't work. Status doesn't work. Uh, well, I said statesmen. Statesmen, ooh, yeah. slight adjustment, but they'll take it over. Oh yeah, they probably. take everything over. So, Watchmen. Watchmen. Um, <laughs> and, what, you, and you thought this this <laughs> cast might be short. This is it's the best issue, but bar none. It's just it really is, and you may not agree, but when we keep reading, you'll come back to this one when we're done. When we do our twelfth episode and we finish wrap it up, and then we do our wrap up episode. Yes, there will be thirteen to this. I just decided that. Okay. Um, where we talk about the entire book and our favorite moments and all that. 
this issue, I, I promise you, is going to ring true. It's so, it's just, Dr. Manhattan is, so, he is, uh, they take the picture, and the guy explains to him, go get the picture, and they're like, haha, he thought we were dating, which flash forwards us forward to her watch breaking. Yep, because of the fat man. Yeah, fat man, lump, drunken fat man at the carnival steps on it, and he's like, hey, fun fact, my dad was a watchmaker, I can fix this for you. She's like, oh, really? Then they're fucking. It's just, boom. It's just, boom. right to it, two panels, they're re- they're in an embrace. It's hot. Guy on top. Mm, yeah. It's pretty traditional for the 50s, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, mm. women on top didn't come to, like, what, 70s, 80s? Yeah, probably. I'm just guessing. I don't know sexual history as much. Well, no, as it'd been like you know, the '60s because we, you know, they they burn the, burn their bras and right. then get on top and then get on top, right, yeah. right. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. Oh, oh I man, didn't, I didn't know it could happen like this. Oh, I'm in a very 1950s marriage, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know why everyone hates feminism. It brought us <laughs> brought us woman on top. It brought reverse cowgirl. Yeah. Be happy for feminism. Yeah. I know I am, or I would be. okay moving on let's get past that so and then we get to the accident so the watch the reason they tell you about the watch is important is they're at lunch um at work because they work together Ooh, and i actually didn't look at that so i actually exclaimed on a previous issue that i look at the pictures more than the words i didn't notice she's playing footsie with him when she asks about the watch oh yeah yeah I, i don't know why i glossed right by that this issue I read faster than I've read every, anything because it's just like boom, 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 boom. Um, so she's playing. Anyways, he's like, oh, my God, I totally fixed your watch. Just give me a minute. I left it in my lab coat. It's in the uh, intrinsic field test chamber, the time-locked test chamber. Let me go get it. Oh, the time-locked? Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. He goes in, door locks behind him, and he's like, oh, guys, you close this. And he notices the look on everyone's face, including Wally, Janie, and Dr. Glass. They're not. They're not smiling. He's no like, laughter. Oh, that's that's uh that was uh, for a uh, concrete block fifteen. Yeah. And it, what happened to the previous fourteen? And he tells me, no, 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 no. Yeah, no he no. freaks out. He's so terrified. And um, this scene. I'm sorry. I, I know I've done this about on every episode a few times. This scene in the movie, freaking flawless. Anyways. Janie runs out of the room. She's like, I can't. He's like, no, Janie, don't go. I need you here. And she's like, nope, you can't ask me to watch that. I got to be selfish in this moment. This this will fuck my brain up if I watch this happen. And she bolts. And then it happens. So door slams behind her. I look at Dr. Glass, but he looks away. I can hear the shield sliding back from the particle cannons. There's something in my pocket. I take it out to examine. Good as new. The air grows too warm too quickly. I want very much for a beautiful woman to hand me a glass of very cold beer. That's what, when he starts to be able to experience time, that glass of gold beer from Janie is a thousand times more important to him than Lori ever is. And that's kind of messed up, man. Yeah, you cheated on her with Lori. And, and, and then you chose to be with Lori. And yet this is where you go back to? It's like that freaking pervert that you know who saves nudes from his ex-girlfriend and cranks it to those, even though it's like, no, you fucked up, all right? You get rid of those. Yeah. You don't get to keep those. He's keeping them. (laughs) And I don't appreciate it. I mean, 
Although, if we really think about it, since he experiences everything at the same time, he's both making love to Lori and Janie at the same time. <laughs> That's hot. Yeah. And like four of him are banging Lori. So yeah. he's actually... It was three. Yeah, but I'm sure... Wait, was... no, two. It was the, two and the third was the in third the third one was yeah, working. Yeah. But I'm sure there was other times. Yeah. I bet Janie was into a little bit of multi-Manhattan. Oh, yeah. She, oh, yeah. She's definitely down to clown. Yeah, yeah. Two and... Well, I'm not going to go any farther with that I'm gonna... dvda thank you yes yeah let's go with that <laughs> he uh all the atoms in the test chambers are screaming at once the light the light is taking me to pieces and i love that they chose six full panels for that I- image of just a man being shredded to a skeleton by well the intrinsic field test chamber but this part's really cool so you know it's september a token funeral service there's obviously no body to bury or anything like that um, and this is when Janie, so he was never a part of it. Janie puts the picture up at the bestiary, the the bar. Yep. Without him, he's dead. So that's kind of cool. It's the only picture anyone anyone has of him. There's only one picture of John, and it's in that bar. So as far as anyone's concerned, no one knows what he looks like in the present time. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. No one knows who he was. So anyways, people are talking. They're running their mouth about communists. Castro and I just love this part I actually after reading this stroked my chin he's like I saw a picture Jesus H Christ what's wrong with guys these days that beard and I was like oh <laughs> beards are cool man and that this is not the first time that oh. someone has complained about Elvis Presley in this do you think book. Alan Moore doesn't like Presley or he's accurately depicting the way people thought of, I know people didn't like Presley at the time I think it's just trying he's to just, accurately depict them at that time period. he's just being a good writer that's yeah. all because it's Elmore. Um, and you see behind them a brain and a nervous system just floating, which I didn't remember that they didn't call that out because in the movie, they actually say the nervous system part. The book, they do not. It's just there. And a guy goes, yeah, like, uh, like in um, Kung Pao Enter the Fist, when the girl screams whenever anything happens. Uh, <laughs> what was her name? I always think Betty, but that's the bad guy's name. My name is, is Betty. Betty. Uh, anyway, he screams, but uh, November 10th, there's a circular assist- circulatory system walking through the kitchen. November 14th, partially muscled skeleton stands by the perimeter fence and screams for 30 seconds before vanishing. And then he says, really, it's just a question of reassembling the components in the correct sequence. I like that one because it shows his hand back in the day working on the watch. Yeah, so he's just using the same skills he put together a watch to put together himself. Exactly. And that's why I think it's important to note um, how important it is, his perception of matter and time and his backstory of being a watchmaker and all that shit. And they even say, because I know Watchmen, the show, is fucked with this. They even say, like, well, you made one Dr. Manhattan. Why not make more? Mm. It's like a it's like a trillion to one scenario that the right person was the one to have all this happen. He also had an incredibly vast knowledge of particle physics. So I'm sure that would help because his conscience was still there. Yada, yada, yada. And uh, now that I actually, like, look at these three parts, mm-hmm. you can see his thought process of how he's trying to put to himself yeah. together. First... The brain's the most important thing. You got it. And, and you need to be able to, like, send these thoughts out. So mm-hmm. you need the nervous system. Right. And then you need the circulatory system. Blood and air. Yeah, to keep it going. Your brain needs the blood and whatnot to, like, still function. And then you need the support system, the skeleton and the uh, muscles, to keep it all in and keep it together. To, to be a body. And then he just, bam, puts Blue it all penis. together. Yep. And I actually appreciate how detailed Dr. Manhattan is, but the penis is just an outline. 
<laughs> you know what? Thank you, Dave Gibbons. Thank you. Yeah. I almost said Gary Frank again, just like I did last time. I got to be careful with that. So yeah, they're sitting, um, Wally and uh, Janie are sitting eating lunch and they're just like <laughs> talking about something haunting us because everyone's exclaimed that they've seen the weird ghosty thing around. And she's like, uh, he's like, gee, I'm sorry, but can you hear that? That whistling in my ears or what? She's like, no, no, I can hear it. My arm hairs, they're standing up. And then, boom, shakalaka. Dr. Manhattan standing there in what I assume is a... Floating there. Purposeful Jesus pose. Like, that is as, like, of a pose as you can be. Legs together, Perfectly stretched out, hands at his hey, side. he's just a J-boy in his J-boy stance. Correct. Wow, how, how could I think of anything he's else? He's a grown-ass man. And I think the most important thing to point out immediately is that she knows it's John. John? She recognizes him. So his face is very clearly still John Osterman. Everyone, you know, we talked about it earlier. His body and all that stuff is just, you know, like the perfect male form. He chose his own face still. You know, not like generic white dude face. I don't know. I don't know if this is the only moment of that sort of where that's called out. I just think that's really important to him as, as a person because he can be anything and anyone he wants or, or even just vague nothing. Yeah. He, but he chose his face. He could look like a normal human if he wanted to. Right. But instead, this is nice. He wants uh, to be fucking blue. And also, it immediate, because of the scientific nature of this character, he immediately calls out, their bleached faces stare at me, pale and insubstantial in the sudden flare of ultraviolet sunburn in November. There's no, this is one of those like neat writing tricks where it's just like, there's no reason to call out the science of it. Mm. Just say they were shocked by your appearance. But he's like, no, 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 no. This is a science, baby. And science, And we're baby. laying on it. Which I don't think ultraviolet is, is yeah, UV. That's what gives us our sunburns. Uh, I I'm, I'm so. sure there's multiple factors, but UV is the main, that's the big boy, bad boy. I'm going to say yes. All right, continuing on. Then he's back on Mars and he's looking at, uh... Andromeda, and he could see the supernova that Ernest Ernst Hartwig discovered in 1885. You got to remember, he is a super genius. Oh yeah, yeah. So he knows. I'm, I'm I'm assuming that he doesn't know all information. He's not um, omniscient. Um, we talked about this last time. I yeah, he is not. Um, uh, yeah, omniscient. Omniscient. He knows everything. He knows. At he is a particle physics super genius, a really young PhD particle physicist. Um, and obviously he can learn anything in an instant at this point. I doubt he has to like read a Spanish Bible three or four times to know what it is. I'm sure he like looks at it once and knows, but the point is, um, yeah, he's a super genius. And is this true? Supernovas are where gold forms. I, I mean, technically all matter comes from stars. So maybe that's all he's saying. It's true, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll go with it. Uh, but the reason why that is important, he says all gold for, comes from supernovas, is it's Christmas 1959. Uh, do you like it? She gives him a gold ring for some reason. Also, if if he's pretty much God now and he doesn't think there is a God, why is he celebrating Christmas? Because he's still human at this point. He's oh, still yeah, John. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is early. This is, this is a long time ago. And his response to receiving a gold ring is, I like it very much. Its atomic structure is a perfect grid. Like a checkerboard. It's, Janie, what's up? You cold? I can raise the temperature. She's not. She's scared. Yeah. She's like, why are you wearing that wife beater? Are you uh, going to yeah, hit me? I don't, I don't think that's what she's going for, but yeah, okay. Uh, she's scared, and she, he says of me, and she says, no, yes, oh, God, look. That's important, because in the last issue, in Under the Red Hood, he talks about that. You can be as comfortable with Dr. Manhattan's presence as you possibly want, 
and you're still not something's wrong but the only person who's ever not like that the only two people who would ever no the only one person who ever is not like that the comedian yeah because even ozymandias later in the book talks about like how interesting dr manhattan is but it's still not there's you're still not right um comedian's just like yeah fuck it you're just another guy yeah yeah you're just a guy who cares um Anyways, this is where it first uh, calls out the... Oh, no, 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 no. I jumped to, I jumped ahead. I jumped ahead. I'm so sorry. He basically just consoles her. You know, she talks about how, you know, he's he's a god. And he goes, I don't think there is a god, Janie. And if there is, I'm not him. I'm still the same person. I'll always want you. Now, the fun thing is, in that moment, I don't think he's lying. But he says, as I lie, I hear her shouting at me in 1963. He's not lying in the moment saying I'll always want you. He's lying in the timeline because yeah. he obviously eventually... It's, it's like how I mentioned earlier, he was surprised to learn people have cancer because right. he, he already knows it, but he's still at the same time learning it for the first time. Right. So he's saying it in the moment and, think, and meaning it, but he also has the knowledge that that's not going to... how it's going to turn out. So a lot of what uh john does is a really schrodinger moments where they're like yeah. both true and false until we know for certain that it's true or false. he's a walking cat is yeah. what you're saying yeah he's yeah. a cat he's meow yeah he's a cat he's meow a cat. but then he gets to and this was actually one quote i considered but i have the luxury of already having a hydrogen atom on my hand he's taking pictures to be released to the public to to be made uh to be made knowledge amongst the world of who he is. And he has this dumbass helmet with this stupid costume that's a full body like skin suit. Like if you took all the markings and colors off Superman's suit, that's what he's wearing. Yep. And uh, he takes off the helmet and he looks at it. It's you, everyone's seen it. It's the atomic symbol. There's three rings around a nucleus. It's yeah. the, the or neutron, sorry, not a nucleus. Nucleus is for a cell. Um, and he's just like, it's meaningless. A hydrogen atom would be more appropriate. I don't think I shall be wearing this. And he's like, but, 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 but that's the only place where your symbol shows. But our the, focus group. The marketing boys. <laughs> he actually says that. The marketing boys say you need a symbol. So this was the quote I was uh, uh, getting at I would like to have on my body. He says, they don't know what I need. You don't know what I need. Screw that part. I'm saying, if I'm to have a symbol, it shall be one I respect. And he draws a hydrogen atom on his forehead, which I have tattooed on my hand. Oof. Because that is incredible, and I love Dr. Manhattan, and I love this book. So they go on about, um, you know, he's going to be called Dr. Manhattan. This is where he gets his name. He's been John up to this point. Dr. what? Doctor who? <laughs> Doc, oh, wait. That'd be copyright infringement. Yeah. Uh, I see why they went with Dr. what. They explain that the name's been chosen for the ominous associations it will raise in America's enemies. They're shaping me into something gaudy and lethal. It's all getting out of my hands. He doesn't control anything, just a cog in the machine, as they say at work. We're all just cogs. We just need to shut up and put our heads down. Pensions are for the birds. Topical for our current work climate. Yeah, I want a pension. God, I would... If Racist I... old boomers shouldn't yeah. have a pension. Fuck that guy. Yeah. They get pensions and 401k matches. Yeah, what the fuck? That's double dipping, baby. That, and because it's they were hired before 1980, they get more vacation time. A lot more. Like, an entire week more. And we're a union, so everything should be equal. They vote on it, and we weren't there, and they said, I got mine, baby. Yeah, I they're got like, mine. 
we're more equal than future people. Yeah. Just like it'd the be, pigs. It'd be like the person picking up the pizza to bring home for all your friends, and you decide to eat three or four slices in the car on the way home, and you're like, I got my pizza. Yeah. You guys can deal with the scraps. And then you have Jake fighting DJ, DJ cowers, Jimmy tries to stand up for him, doesn't stand a chance, Luke comes out of nowhere with the spin kick, Luke eats the rest of the pizza. Yeah. It's not fair, is what I'm saying. Luke doesn't even work there. He doesn't even like pizza that much. <laughs> oh, God, Luke, I swear to God. So, uh, this is when the news breaks, and they show, you've seen these images from the, from the movie, and com- actually, these were in the commercials like crazy and stuff back in the day. Uh, they're announcing it, and he says... The Superman exists, and he's American. America! Because if you remember, Superman and Batman, all them, did exist in this universe. They're just, they yeah. didn't sell, and the companies went under. Freaking Stanley is some shrub living in New York, dreaming about better days while flipping eggs at a diner. No. Oh. Because Marvel went out of business. What does he do? He doesn't have skills. He was, he was a writer for comic books. He can't write novels. They're all, they won't take him seriously. He wrote comic books. And he was like 40 when he started doing that. Oh, really? Yeah. He was. Wow. So he started at Marvel young, but it didn't really start taking... Well, you got to remember, Marvel and, and all those, like, they were always popular, but they went bankrupt in the 90s. Like, he... Oh, yeah. The company was nothing in the 50s, 60s. Then he took over with, I don't remember his name, some other guy, and Jack Kirby, and they started writing more popular stories. It started to do really well. Then they moved on to, like, the exact stuff. Other people started writing shit. They went bankrupt. Then they sold the company. His life isn't, like, the super glamorous millionaire forever. His life is, like, the dude fucking struggled and wrote awesome stories, and no one cared. I love you, Stanley. Oh yeah, man. Even as an old man, he yeah. was abused by Disney. He was abused by his coworkers who were taking his money. His family was super disrespectful. Didn't want to care for him. Stole his money. <sighs> Stanley, this is about DC and Watchmen. Yeah. But Stanley is a gift, and that's all I. Was oh saying. yeah, especially since like he had a lot of views that were really ahead of their time for his age. Oh my god. I mean, yeah. For that age, for not his. The, for the time, he's yeah. old as shit. Like, yeah. You can be whatever you want. Like, you, uh, well, not a lot of white people supported civil rights back in the 60s. Nope, not at all. Even still. Yeah. Fucking boomers. Ah, not okay, a boomer. political podcast. Yeah. Despite speaking, reading... Speaking of boomers, we have <laughs> Captain Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, he's... Oh, jeez, that's swell to have a superhuman. So they take pictures, show off what he can do, but he never speaks to the press, so they go and talk to the costume vigilantes. And they're like, hey, Kevin Metropolis, how do you feel about Dr. Man? And he's like, oh, uh, we're pleased, obviously. Very, And the look on his face is not pleased, not to say the least. Very unpleased. Um, and even uh, Sally Jupiter is like, you know, well, you know, they say he walks through walls and stuff. I'll believe it when I see it. Which is something people say about basically anything faith-based. Like, he is God, for all intents and purposes. Oh, sorry. Intensive purposes. Intensive. Um, so they're sitting there, and, you know, Janie's j- joking about, like, you know, you wear a double-breasted suit for that photo session, next thing everybody's talking about its fashion significance. Can you imagine? You've arrived. And he's like, oh, this is super important. So this is when, before this, Dr. Manhattan hasn't described his perception of time at all. So he says, have I? Sometimes I feel as if I've been here all the time. And then, that's what he says in time. Then it gives you a dialogue box of him out of time, just explain. I'm there now in 1960 saying those words watching that tv set so that's kind of the moment when he realizes i can see fucking everything that's pretty cool there's a lot in this issue that actually makes me feel a lot better about the recent episode 
Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard it does it even better than the movie did it. Uh, I don't know what that is because I'm trying to avoid... I've already gotten the biggest spoiler of the season. I'm yeah. trying to avoid anything else. Yeah. So screw whoever ruined that for you another reason why that's it was my fucking google now it was because google Google now does this thing and it happens on comic books oh i hate it a big event will happen in comic book and all the if you write for a news organization your headline cannot have the fucking spoiler in it if you want clickbait allude to it oh yeah and let me click on it but when it says so when i got back-to-back headlines this happened two months ago batman uh 79 happened and it was like you won't believe what happens to this issue. And there was another one that was like, blend. it even says in uh, brackets, spoiler, dies, uh, something, something. And then the next article goes, Alfred dies in this issue. Can you believe that? And I was like, that's not oh. how you headline no. a fucking it. Oh, I got so mad because I hadn't read it yet. It was Wednesday and I hadn't gone and picked him up yet. Yep. Oh, so anyways, that's exactly what happened for the latest issue of, or uh, show. Uh, oh that's awful and i was just like you because obviously my google now especially since doing this podcast with you just watchman (laughs) watchman everything it's just all um so anyways the reason why i point that out that now he perceives it is because we immediately zoom through a page where he talks about meeting um ozymandias the youngest who seems interesting he talks about going to moloch's den and fighting people and murdering someone on the spot uh here's the line that made me laugh out loud Friendly middle-aged men who like to dress up. I have nothing in common with them. Because <laughs> he's not friendly. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, and he doesn't like to dress up, actually. So it zooms through those. Captain Metropolis looking great, as always. You actually get to see Mothman. You get to see the first Hollis Mason Night Owl, which is actually really interesting that Ozymandias oh, is there. We get but... to see it. Oh, no, this um this was brought up in the previous uh, issue. Uh, Under the Hood oh you're right you're right this is the very final party before he retires away yep right okay i'm with you um so yeah he's doing that and then he goes and meets with kennedy they're shaking his hand kennedy asks him what it's like to be a superhero and he says he should know is it so you're a history buff is it blown out of water how much we love john f kennedy or did we love kennedy yeah Kennedy. you'll still see like conservative people today being like oh kennedy that's how they used to be you could respect your opponent blah 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 blah. right people fucking love kennedy he uh we now know that you know he did some shady ass shit right. like the bay of pigs yeah the bay of pigs and uh, he was an adulterer and alleged adul- no alleged. i actually i don't think that's alleged anymore i think it's it's pretty out outright he adultered which is fine and trump has cheated on his wife 30 times and we're all okay with it yeah and the kennedys overall are a very privileged family that gets away with a lot of shit right so he's not really deserving as much love as he gets but was he better than nixon yeah by a lot by a lot so people really did love kennedy it's easy to like from the charisma he had and the popularity he had at the time right from getting assassinated while he was still being loved before right. people became disillusioned with him. And then with, you know, Richard Nixon... Uh, being the follow-up. Being the follow-up. Right. There's a lot of things that coalesce into having Kennedy remain with a very positive image, right. even when the rest of his family doesn't. Right. Well, that's good to know. I honestly never really looked into, like, learned much about Kennedy. Um, so that's really cool. But anyways... 
So, you know, he gets his thing from the president, and Janie's in the back with two kids, which... Oh, no, that's not Janie. That's um, uh, Miss Miss Kennedy. I can't yeah, remember. Jackie O. Jackie, there it is. Um, so he's talking to Hollis Mason, who's starting to get the oh, white... I could get. I guess you could also say Janie, uh, Janie's haircut is the, the Jackie O. Yeah, it's, it's exactly the Jackie O. That's why I thought it was her. This one I actually thought was really good to also explain the last Under the Red Hood. So Hollis tells him, I'm going to retire. And he's like, is it your age? And he says, partly but I guess it's you. Everyone's intimidated by Manhattan. He can do everything. But he says, I'm going to go into um, fixing cars. Even It'll be a while before even you can affect General Motors. And <laughs> Dr. Manhattan, completely like unaware of how much of an ass he's being, he's like, well, the new electric cars should be simpler. He's like, electric? <laughs> That's right. They'd have appeared before, but there wasn't enough lithium to mass produce whatever batteries of course i can synthesize it easily anyway it's been interesting meeting you i hope you enjoy your retirement he's like yeah paula esteline there it is i hope i do too and then 18 months away an electric limousine is pulling onto the plaza like immediately this guy's retirement plan that he thought was right undone manhattan fixed it again manhattan stole another thing from the working class from a man from someone um but this is where the time thing comes into play that I was talking about him not being able to control any of it. Janie is pissed because there's a newspaper she's looking at of JFK getting shot. It says, President shot, fear, feared critical, whatever. Which we knew it was instant death. It wasn't critical. It was just... Oh, yeah. It was just, it, yeah, it just happened. Um, and she's like, so you knew he'd get shot? I mean, if you're serious, well, why didn't you do something? He's like, well, I can't prevent the future. To me, it's already happening. He can't control... I don't care what yeah. any other writer writes. That, can't. that is the key phrase right there. And that's that phrase is what supports my uh, idea that because he's experienced this all at the same time, right. he both knows and doesn't know. And, you know, Schrodinger, we already said it. Schrodinger, yeah, yeah. He's keeping the I'm nudes. I'm just going to say Schrodinger. And he's then, just yeah. storing nudes on that creepy <laughs> app on their phone where you can't tell what it is. You, they have them. If you're not sure, just Google, like, secret photos, and it shows right up. It's and then there's this whole conversation where, like, well, oh. we're going to have sex. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? We're going to argue first. But well, we're, we're gonna... totally going to bang. How the, How's that going to happen? Also, oh, well, Wally's going to show up with some earrings, and then you're going to bone me, and then Wally shows up with some earrings, and then she bones him. It's true. And chances are, because this is, you know, later into the future, it's reverse cowgirl. Oh, yeah, Chances that's true. Are. Yeah, it's um, the 60s. Yeah. Huh? Wait, can Dr. Manhattan have kids? He never does, but could he? Does he know. just choose to not ejaculate? What is the purpose of sex for him? Pleasure. He doesn't feel that in any form. He doesn't eat. He doesn't listen to music. He doesn't... I don't know. I don't know what happens when he busts I'm nut. writing Alan Moore a letter. <laughs> yeah. I need to know. <laughs> oh, dear Mr. Moore, I'm your biggest <laughs> fan What's it like when Manhattan busts a nut? <laughs> Nuts harder than any man ever could. He could probably nut so hard he kills her. I bet if I write what happens when God busts, he'd know what I was talking about. <laughs> he'd be like, oh, God, another one. I get these every day. Uh, I also want to know, if Franny had pierced ears, I'd get her those earrings. They're hydrogen atom earrings. Yeah. That's really sweet and I don't, awesome. How? He must. Also, he ordered them. He didn't make them. He didn't materialize them. He didn't fucking teleport around. He ordered them like a normal human. Are those magnets then? What? How the 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 neutron just stays in the center of them. Probably. I mean, I don't know. 
we don't really get a good enough image of it, but probably or it's hanging by like a, a yeah something you can't fish really line, yeah, like a little thing. Um. So, anyways, yeah. Of course, she's like, you know, I'm scared. Feels like there's big invisible things all around me. Would you hold me? And then they bang. In, to be more precise, in the future, her sweat cools and dries in the November bedroom. Fucking eloquent pervert is what he is. And then the next year, he's looking at some hot 16-year-old ass. Yeah, so we actually get that thing we talked about back in issue two, I believe it is. The Crime Busters. The Crime Busters. You know, that's going on, but we get to see it from a different angle. We get to see him staring at Lori. We get to see Lori looking at him. We actually get to see him boning Lori in a more traditional 1950s manner, I might add. He's on top. Wait, no, that's uh, that's uh, the 1985 that's the multiple. Oh, that's the multi. Still, yeah. he's on top. Very yeah. 1950s. That's true. Um, and, she, you know, Janie's pissed. And now we find out the reason why she wanted to go wasn't because of the stupid comedian setting the map on fire, freaking everyone out. It was because she was super pissed. You were staring at that girl is the matter. Now pay attention. Like, she's furious that he's oogling this 16-year-old girl, which we all should be pissed he was oogling a 16-year-old yeah. girl, if we're being fair. Yeah. Uh, so he teleports her home she's uh, she says outside janie accuses me of chasing jailbait as craig alluded to earlier uh there's uh she bursts into tears asking if she's getting older and it's true she's aging more noticeably every day while i'm standing still and in that panel he's on mars exactly the same as he's ever been yeah it's that second line that really matters more than the first one you can tell someone they're getting old and be an asshole but he's like i'm already i'm here i'm standing still like yeah if he was getting older too maybe it would like he wouldn't notice Lori as much but he's the same age and he's like huh well would you look at that <laughs> look at me so the next time so he th- will i want to summarize the next part because i want to get to the end um or not the end the next like the comedian part so he takes her out on patrol Lori out on patrol in 66 Janie finds out that he's been cheating on her behind his back because a few panels later, he's making out with Lori. She actually throws those earrings she got him on the ground and she could, you tell her what it's going to be like when her face wrinkles and her boobs start sagging and you're still goddamn 30. And this is what it alluded to way back and it says it again. It's 1966 and she's packing, tearful, careless with anger. But this panel gives you the three big moments in his life that we've gotten over and over again. First, it's 1959, Janie is handing me the glass. Second, it's 1966, and she's packing tearful, careless with anger. Third, the photograph lies in the sand at my feet. Oh, yeah. These are the three biggest moments in his life, as far as, like, the human side of him is concerned. Um, And I think that's glorious, because we get it again, even later. I think they talk about the glass one more time. But anyways, so, you know, 1969 receives the news of his father's death. 1959 is when his father find finds out that his son died and he never corrects that he never goes and talks to his dad again which is interesting and curious because he's over and over again i've been talking about how he was human at first and yada yada he never went back to talk to his dad i'm interested about that i don't know i don't know what to make of that uh probably because uh, his father forced him into things that he didn't want to do everyone's guiding his hand so to speak and he's just like eh huh even after... Uh, actually, that's a really good point, because the very final page of this book touches on that. Uh, we'll get there. Um, okay. We'll get there. That's that's a really good point. So anyways, uh, he's kind of jumping through time. Uh, Gila Flats, the bar that he has, the picture was at, closes down. Lori's 20th birthday. They move into their first apartment, their new apartment. 
Um, he tells the the public his true identity. So now everyone knows his name is John Osterman, not just Dr. Manhattan. Uh, later in November of 1971, he finds out that Wally died of cancer, goes to his funeral. Uh, 1971, Nixon asks him to intervene in Vietnam. Vietnam, his, his role in Vietnam is constantly talked about over and over again. Um, but this, this is super important. 10 years earlier, Kennedy avoids mentioning Cuba. Like Nixon was like, uh, fucking go take care of the issue. Whereas Kennedy's like, oh, hold on. We don't need to flex like that. Like, let's take care of it. We love Kennedy around here. Later in November, I'm told that Wally Weaver has died of cancer, age 34. So young. But this next part, again, is super important, and I'm going to read these entire three panels, if that's okay with you. Okay. It's March. I'm in Saigon, being reintroduced to Edward Blake, the comedian. He works mostly for the government now. I suppose I do, too. Blake is interesting. I have never met anyone so deliberately amoral. He suits the climate here, the madness, the pointless butchery. As I come to understand Vietnam and what it implies about the human condition, I also realize that few humans will permit themselves such an understanding. Blake's different. He understands perfectly. And he doesn't care. That's the only taste of, of comedian we've gotten in like two and a half or one and a half issues because he's yeah. dead and we're moving on to Manhattan's story and where it's going to evolve. I thought that was wonderful because we talked about that earlier. There's really w- only one other person that understands the, I can't think of a more scientific word, but the weight of what's going on in the world and how insignificant slash significant everything is. And that's the comedian. He just doesn't give a fuck. Which is why it's so unnerving. That he breaks down? Yeah, that it breaks down down to Moloch. Yeah, when he has that big, whatever the revelation is, when he finds that out, he's like, oh my, oh no! Also, we haven't mentioned it before, but uh, when he joins uh, the Crime Busters, Mm -hmm. he told... uh, um, The government, or was it Metropolis? I think it was uh, Congress. uh, I informed the Pentagon. Yeah, the Pentagon. Yeah, so... He goes from like that Superman style suit to like full body wrist yeah. to ankle to like uh, short sleeves, both shorts and like I think no, it's like a leotard. Yeah, it's a leotard. You know, and then in Vietnam, he just has a codpiece, just literally an underwear that looks like an M that covers his wiener because you you know this is America and we're scared of the human body. Yeah. Uh, so he's in Vietnam. The Viet Cong expect to surrender within the week. And this one, you were saying, I'll let you read the the quote that you like so much. Oh, which one? Where? Oh, yeah. Uh, Often they ask to surrender to me personally. Their terror of me balanced by an almost religious awe. It's, I can only imagine, but yeah, like you, this guy came into this place, murdered everyone, and is a god that you've heard of. I would, I would want to see, I would want to freaking. It's little things like that where I know the, the creator of the show really like took their time yeah delved into the comic book to make the sequel also it shows that they were not surrendering to america oh yeah they surrendered to manhattan yeah they're like oh no this dude won (laughs) you guys ain't shit yeah and he even says i'm reminded which i wanted to ask you about this i am reminded how the japanese were reported to have viewed the atomic bomb after hiroshima 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 uh hiroshima hiroshima is the more better okay um is that and he says, in June, uh, blank night, uh, the comedian is sliding a gun from his holster, streaming from his lacerated face. That's when he murders the pregnant woman. And then in 1985, deciding to create something, I turn away from the stars that may have burned out aeons ago. Eons ago, sorry. I no longer wish to look at them. I no longer wish to look at dead things. No. He 
chooses to not live in those moments at that he doesn't want to see all these all this vietnam death comedian being an asshole and yeah. him all yada yada also vvn would be a, a victory over vietnam oh okay sort of how like in world war ii we have a victory in europe and victory in japan days i didn't know that that's good to know yep um is there a uh uh is is there like reports like what what did the japanese view the atomic bomb as did they think that was like the end-all be-all of life oh i would have to really look up on that i don't know the general attitude whatsoever uh although they did that pretty much did cause the surrender almost immediately. Yeah, I know it was like literally weeks where it was like bomb, the worst thing we've done in that mankind has done in history, maybe. Although we now do have reports that the emperor was considering surrender even before we dropped the bombs. So we're just bad. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, would you say that that's maybe the worst thing we've done in history that um, mankind has done? I mean, obviously, we we talked about it where Genghis Khan fucking ruled everything, and we oh, know yeah. what Hitler and Mussolini and all these Stalin could do. Are the atomic bombs the worst thing that's ever happened? I. Th- that's a very difficult question. It's philosophical. It's political. It's got I a little think bit of everything. It's in terms of actual effect. Right. It's not the worst thing we've done. Okay. What makes it worse than anything else is the potential. Which we'll get to. Yes. Hey, segue. Okay, so anyways, at the end of the book. So uh, now he's he's moving through time again. You'll notice as we've talked about it, it's kind of like move through time. Hold yep. on, let's focus on this moment. Move through time. Hold on, let's focus through this moment. So, you know, he's talking about uh, the new law that hits that bans superheroes. Ozymandias quits and reveals who he is. Adrian Veidt, he's a millionaire. And he invites Laurie and him to his Antarctic base. We've barely gotten any ozymandias we don't know anything point. about him yeah yeah we, we know he's a was a superhero we know he's the strongest smartest guy in the world strongest smartest fastest guy in the world and we know he's like the ultra businessman who was uh who who made his name because of rorschach sold himself out like a whore hmm. um he invites them there and also they, might be homosexual we'll investigate we'll later. investigate later and we never find out the answer to that um they they look we see bubastis for the first time genetically altered links and she's like laurie exclaims i re- hadn't realized eugenics was so advanced now also when i first watched the movie which i watched before i read this i was like what's with this weird cat at they, the end of the movie they don't put this scene in it yeah yeah they, this scene was really important to, to call that out they try it um ozymandias uh, when they finally introduce him just does a quick aside of like oh that's my pet i made him you're like okay well, i guess that's what we did um, so, uh, and then Ozymandias basically just says, you know, it's leaped 15 years, everything, quantum physics to transport, and it's all thanks to Dr. Manhattan. The only thing stopping scientists is their Im- imaginations. And Dr. Manhattan, foreshadowing goes, and by their consciences, surely. And Ozymandias says, let's hope so. Freaking just, Mm, I don't want to. Mm. I know we've spoiled everything already, but I'm going to choose yeah. to not talk about that moment anymore, and I'm going to roll on. Yeah, well, I think we've been good to alluding to things, but we haven't like yeah. given. Well, well, so the next line from Manhattan is a great one for illusion. Yeah. His eyes are sad and knowing, like Ozymandias is aware of what these technological advances could mean, like of of saying that their conscience is being their another limitation. What that could imply. So that's, that's real. And in Dr. Manhattan, I like he calls it his monstrous cat. Mm. Beautiful, monstrous, monstrous cat. cat. I think that's really nice. Uh, anyways, 
so we're back on Mars for just a moment where he's literally holding sand uh, in his palm. And actually, maybe it's not here. No, it's it's later. It's later. Never mind. Never mind. Um, so him and Lori are, are outside of Washington and the cops are rioting because with these costumed heroes, their job means nothing. And Manhattan decides... Oh, well, that's just the regular civilians. Oh, I thought it was... The cops are... Um... Uh, are on strike. The, yeah, the police are on strike. Everyone is frightened, scient- scenting anarchy. Uh, the ringleaders from the crowd with the prostitutes law. So he says, pay attention. You will all return to your homes. And they're like, oh yeah? And what if we don't, you big blue fruit? And he's like, you misunderstand me. It was not a request. And he teleports them all home. Also, you get some, uh, uh, you get some ass. Yeah, you get Manhattan cheeks, baby. I was like, it covers up plenty up front, but damn. I didn't realize it was a thong. I wonder yeah. if the movie does that. Well, we'll see when we I'm get to it. I'm very excited. Yeah. I can't remember. So then he says, this is really important for the thing before about like conscience and morality and all the, you know, comedians, amoral stuff. The next day, I'm reading the paper of two people who suffered heart attacks upon suddenly finding themselves indoors. More would have suffered during a riot, I'm certain. So, like, he's pretty cocksure that I just killed two people. Hmm. But chances are they would have had those heart attacks anyways, and well, a lot more people would have been hurt. To be fair, earlier in the, the issue, we did see him blow up a man's head. And he says in that, actually, that's really important. When he blows that dude's head clean off right there, he even says, uh, the, screams oh, yeah. turn, the size turned to screams of terror. The morality of my activity escapes me. He's in a den. A guy's pulling a gun. There's chances for death all over. He takes care of it. People are scared. And he's like, wait a minute. What What did I do wrong here? Like, <laughs> I was pretty sure I did the right thing. Yeah. But no, he didn't. So um, they announced the Senator Keene has passed uh, making mass heroes illegal, except there's a picture in the background. Rorschach, Night Owl, and Laurie all have X's over their face. Manhattan and the comedian do not in his gimp mask, as I'm liking to call it from now on. <laughs> it is a gimp mask. <laughs> it's totally a gimp mask. And, um, you know, he says, uh, vigilantism is now illegal again, as it was before they altered the laws to accommodate strategically useful talents, such as myself. Um, and as long as I continue to act under U.S. government supervision, I am exempt from the law. But he even says, they can hardly outlaw me when their country's defense rests in my hands. He's like, he's going along with the supervision, with the, like, Claire. But he's like, do they really fucking think that matters? Like, Mm -hmm. I am what keeps them together. He knows it, and that's really cool. Do we know what, so it says Blake is also exempt. Um, He handled the Iranian hostage situation that even the harshest critics fall silent. What was the thing in Iran? Did we learn that yet? Am I forgetting something? Uh, That was... um after i think it was after the iranian uh revolution uh where uh there is a a point in time where the rule of iran was contentious right. there was ultimately we now know that uh the ayatollah and islamic forces took control but there is also like communists and socialists and they were trying okay. to build a new country because it's one of those countries that is formed after British rule after World War One. A lot right. of history behind it. Right. And at one point, uh, a bunch of uh, American civilians uh, were taken hostage. I think it was Jimmy Carter who was president at the time, which he never became president of this because of blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Richard Nixon. Right. And uh, it was just a whole big debacle of trying to get those Americans back. And I'll be honest, I don't remember how it ends. All right. Well, I also think we know how it ends. The comedian takes yeah. care of it. 
I also think there's a, a Ben Affleck movie about it <laughs> called Argo. Of course there's a Ben to Affleck. To bring up Ben Affleck again. <laughs> Never don't bring up Ben Affleck. I love him. Uh, so, uh, Lori retires. She's okay with it. Her mom's disappointed. Night Owl retires. Lori's told Dan or uh, John that his name is Dan. My favorite... The only other vigilante is called Rorschach, real name unknown. He stays active. He expresses his feelings by leaving a note on a dead body that says never with the Rorschach symbol. Dead body is a multiple rapist. So for how bad Rorschach is, not bad. Yeah, not bad. In this instance. Um, So anyways, they move to the... So this is where... Nope, just kidding. Still another page before I can say the thing I want to say. Nope, just kidding, it's right there. So, they move into the apartment. Lori feels her privacy is invaded because there is literally a person, a military person. Oh, yeah, the, uh, at, the research center in uh, New York. At all times, there's someone there. And he talks about uh, being on Mars, and he said, she'd like it here. Through my blue fingers, pink grains are falling haphazard, random, a disorganized stream of silicone that seems pregnant with the possibility of every conceivable shape. This is what I love. But this is illusion. Things have their shape in time, not space alone. Some marble blocks have statues within them embedded in their future. I don't know why I like that quote so much. I just think it's beautiful. Alan Moore also did, um, I can't remember what issue it was, but there's an old issue of um, the Flash, of uh, Justice League where they're explaining what the Flash is. Oh, actually, it might be Alex Ross in um, Kingdom Come where he explains that for the Flash is like moving through a world of statues. Because he's so fast, everything. It's that kind of wording, that kind of phraseology that I'm just like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. That's just like a beautiful sentiment. Uh, anyways, so they're walking around New York, uh, streets of ozone rather than gasoline, uh, airships are overhead, Nenny's back in 59, a kid lo- crying because he lost his balloon at the fair, any moment now Janie's watch will break. It's kind of weird because the picture we get of them in New York mm-hmm. looks so much more technologically advanced than what we get whenever Warshak's prowling around. Because it seems like, A, he only sticks to really gross spots. Yep. But also, B, because of Doom, of, uh... Ooh, DJ looks wonderful with his haircut. What a hot, what a hot man. I can't see. He'll be coming around that mountain in a minute. He, um... It also seems like, mm. from this time, it's prosperous, people love Manhattan, science is moving forward. In the 80s, Russia about to nuke us, us about to nuke Russia... Manhattan, you know, being more suspect as being like a tool for a, a god for the government, everything is kind of heading down. Yeah. So this is this is the industrial age for them, you know. Yay, we're building skyscrapers in New York. And then the 80s is, well, quite literally the 80s in New York, which was not that anymore. So yeah, I did notice that, like, the guy's hat especially was like, wow, that's a neat futuristic looking hat oh there's a blimp in the background oh the roads are actually and we all smoke those weird cigarettes with like the crystal ball yeah it's 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 crack oh yeah okay. crack pipe yeah. i'm smoking crack from the crack, the crack box again uh august 85 oh, welcome to grand so central there's a time magazine with a damaged pocket watch stopped the instant the blast in Hir- hiroshima started but again hands frozen he's talking about the watch but the image is Janie handing him the beer the beer beautiful uh, so Saturday, October 12th, 1985, being informed of Blake's murder, he goes to their funeral, notices a guy leave roses, doesn't know if he knows him. It's Moloch. Moloch. Then he's banging Lori with two of him. Then it's 1966, which is when a comedian- Crime busters. Crime busters. 1959, telling Janie I shall always want her, but in that panel, he's holding Lori's face. Uh, then it's later, Lori's walking out on Ooh, him. Ooh, this one is a good one. Uh, yeah, right after that- 
on a rooftop in the past, I pull her 16-year-old body, again, we don't condone it, right. to me, breathing her perfume, never wanting to lose her, knowing that I shall. Woof. Uh, then he's being accused of cancer in the studio, he says. Uh, then he's tired of these people, so he walks into the bar. This is what I was getting back to. In Arizona, I'm entering the bar, the ruined bar, with a sense of deja vu. Except this time, it's Manhattan, not John walking into that bar. The fact that he calls it deja vu in both times is, I don't really know how to interpret it, but it's wonderful because technically everything for him is deja vu. Technically. technically. But these are the only two times he acknowledges it. Walking into the bar, this time to get the photo, the first time to meet her. I think that's beautiful. I just think that's beautiful writing. That's just beautiful callback. So he takes the snapshot from the frame and he goes to Mars. He's on there. He says, uh, goes to a place without clocks, without seasons, without hourglasses to trap the shifting pink sand. Below me, in the sand, the secret shape of my creation is concealed. A deck. He's a dad building a nice deck. Yeah. Uh, and he rises into thin air and he's ready to begin. And literally, there's no, like, building sequence. There's nothing. The entire structure just lifts from the sand. It just is made under there, which is what he alluded to earlier. It obviously was not sitting there the whole time. Yeah. But his able to manipulate matter and such, just boom, pulls it right up. And he has a bunch of beautiful words. I don't know if any of them stick out to you that you want to read. Actually, I know one that I like a lot. Mm. So he's going through time. He's talking about the one that I like is he says, without. so he talks about the bombs and stuff. Without me, things would have been different if the fat man hadn't crossed the watch. Well, if I hadn't left it in the test chamber. Well, am I to blame, the fat man to blame, or my father for choosing my career? Yeah, that's the causality I was talking about. Exactly. Which of us is responsible? Who makes the world? I just... just... Ooh, and then this next part. Perhaps the world is not made. Perhaps it... Nothing is made. Perhaps it simply is, has been, will always be there. A clock without a a craftsman. Which, that is a really poignant term, because do you know of the... um, the philosophical concept of deism. Uh, I did a, I, no joke. I did a, a whole board presentation project on it in ninth grade. Nothing. Because of the founding fathers, right? Ah. Uh, half the founding fathers were traditional Christians as part of the Anglo-Saxon tradition, blah, 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 blah. But the other half were like these wealthy elites that were educated and experimented in different things. Hmm. And a lot of them belong to a philosophical group uh, called deists where they believe that there is no omniscient omnipotent omnipresent being around rather god is a clockmaker as the metaphor goes who creates the universe and then creates a set of laws that governs it and then walks away so it's the universe is a clock that's running on its own rules that was made by the clockmaker but does not require the clockmaker to actually be a part of it anymore. Okay. So what he's saying right here, a clock without a craftsman, is that there was no clockmaker to begin with. Right. The clock was always in being forever. Just existing. There's no beginning or end. It just is. <gasps> Foreshadow. This issue is too heavy for me. Despite being like the quickest, most fun just read, too heavy for me. My little brain can't handle it. So he's taking a step onto his balcony, or as I like to call it, his deck. Uh, The light that he talked about earlier, which we never referenced because why would we, 
um, of two hours past, we'll just be reaching Pluto from the sun because he talks about how long it takes time to get places and what you see when you look at stars, you're not seeing Oh, yeah. Them. And he says, uh, in the, in they have strong telescopes where, if they have strong, restart, I was messing that up. If they have strong telescopes where they can see me, the photograph in my hand falling, lying in the sand at my feet, I am, st- then he goes back, I am standing on a fire escape in 1945, reaching out to stop my father take the cogs and flywheels from him, piece them all together again. This is a quote I, I am pitching to you for our Watchmen tattoo. Ooh. But it's too late, always has been, always will be too late. I love that. Mostly because I'm really depressed all the time, and that's a real bummer of a statement, but I love that. You know what all this just made me think about? Hmm. Uh, so Aesop Rock's Daylight. Love it. The, uh, the uh, chorus. Mm-hmm. All I ever wanted was to pick apart the day, put the pieces back together my way. Actually, that's really cool. That's a very Dr. Manhattan song. That's actually really cool. Maybe I'll listen to that on my way home. Uh, and then he's looking at the what uh, Craig said at the very beginning, looking at the meteorites starting to fall, which he already told you were going to fall, and now he's finally, quote-unquote, doing yep. it. Um, and then the quote from Mr. Albert Einstein, where we get the title of the issue from. The release of atom power has changed everything except our way of thinking. The solution to this problem lies in the heart of mankind. If only I had known, I should have become a watchmaker. It's the exact opposite of the life Dr. Manhattan lived. Yep. He went on science, physics, all that fun shit, Manhattan, and now he's saying I should have been a watchmaker. Nope. Having read this quote, I think it's more than likely that Moore had this quote in mind... Way back. Yeah, when he made Dr. Manhattan as a character. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. It's completely inspiring, all that issue. Uh, and so then we get to read the, well, not the entire thing, I'm assuming, but a published article by Milton Glass, the professor that watched Manhattan die, called Dr. Manhattan, Superpowers and the Superpowers. And there's a picture of Manhattan in the, whatever that pose is called. Uh, Ventruvian Man. Ventruvian Man, inside of a hydrogen atom with a hammer and sickle underneath it, which is very interesting. So, what I liked about this short article is... I think this is the most accurate assessment of the relationship between the United States and the Soviet Union if someone like Dr. Manhattan actually existed. Right. And even to a degree, like I said earlier, it's very topical for today's world. And I I wanted to find the quote. The hardest thing about finding a quote in an entire article is how much time it takes to find it. But um yeah it goes on about how he was created right and we well the bomb happened and it was called the the war to end all wars because this was the weapon to end all wars with this kind of power we can annihilate anything including ourselves so why have war that didn't happen we stockpiled weapons like everyone did and then dr manhattan was supposed to be the man who ended all wars but that didn't happen either because in reality what he calls him in this is the man to end all worlds worlds because his existence and and this is the beautiful part that i thought was less comic book and more just a guy writing about the cold war we didn't we took uh, russia for granted at the end of world war ii and we kind of wrote them out of our history we still do that we, yeah no that's what i'm saying yeah. like real life we wrote them out of our history oh, yeah. i didn't know about the significance at all my public school upbringing had none of that shit. yeah the truth is the war would have gone on longer but Hitler was not going to win, yeah. even if the United States did not fight. Right. Because Russia just couldn't be defeated. Right. They had all the manpower, and Stalin was just pushing them forward. And the geographical advantage alone, because yep. when he tried to go into Russia. Yeah. Hitler just had to not 
One, Hitler was allies with Stalin in the beginning. Right, yes, I knew that. But he hated the Slavs almost as much as he hated the Jews. Yeah. And he wanted to kill them all, so he couldn't... Like that, he couldn't resist. Yeah. He had to He try. had to do it. And then he made the same mistake as Napoleon and invaded Russia in the winter. And lost. Yep, and lost. And so Stalin was just like, okay, push forward. Yep. And so they got to Berlin before we did. Yeah, they... they so... It goes on about how America, which, because this whole thing's about the Cold War, America wrote them off in history, and they're really bitter and resentful about it, because they lost people, and they had war on their soil, and it was not pretty, by any means. Um, even though people love to rant about D-Day and how much we lost, it's like, yeah, well, we kind of fucking did that. to our... I don't want to sound anti-patriotic, but, like, we got rid of them. So, in their mind, mutually assured destruction, nuke for nuke, because it goes, it talks about the... Um, how many nukes could Manhattan stop if they launched them? He can only stop about 60%. 60%, yeah. So if they launched them all, that other 40% still kills us, and we would get all of ours off that they couldn't stop and kill them, and he thinks it's reasonable to assume Russia's cool with that. Yeah. Yeah, they're fine with that. Because in our sense, during the Cold War, uh, it was all like games of chess where we used proxy states, uh, and it wasn't... It was rare where we actually got involved like Vietnam. Right. And Most, we actually talked about that in the last issue where he goes on about saving the farm belt and we'd lose the East Coast and yada yada. Yep. Uh, so it was really like a back and forth between the United States and the Soviet Union until in uh, 1988, the Soviet Union uh, eventually just collapsed because it couldn't uh, support itself a, con- a country that big anymore. Yeah, it's gigantic. And But in this world... We won Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Dr. Manhattan just keeps on pushing the Soviets down. And so the thought is that rather than be subjugated by us, the Russians would just want mutually assured destruction, which having been in the Navy and learning the purpose of a lot of things we operated and then a lot of things that we make with our job, that's not the first time I've heard that, that uh, phrase. Yeah. It's if... I think it's a little fucked up. If anyone launches anything, the other side is just gonna be like, "Fuck it, send it," and we're all dead. Yeah, because like submarines, any nation can be nuked out of oblivion, and all its citizens dead, and they still have some dudes on a boat that can launch missiles and kill us all. Yep, and then we're dead too. And then the other people that weren't part of it will get over radiation. They die, the water supply gets poisoned, the airstream carries it, we're all fucking dead. Yeah, so the whole concept of this article is Dr. Manhattan can't stop human extinction if we want it that badly. Exactly. And final uh, statement of it, we are we are all of us living in the shadow of Manhattan. Both the city, most biggest city in New York in the United States, and Dr. Manhattan. Freaking so so good oh yeah so good favorite issue by far in the book we got more to read and maybe i'll get like some real nice love for some of these later issues i'm not saying the book gets worse after this by any means just that that issue has been and will always be my favorite issue of the and book. it's a critical issue that sets up everything and dr manhattan can't control time yeah i'm not gonna say it again he can't oh i'm texting tommy i'm gonna take a picture of that panel and i'm gonna send it right to his bitch ass be cool be cool so, I didn't I forgot last time. 
rating on this issue? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I agree full-heartedly. Is it the best so far for you? Or just like, because hmm. the last one you also said 10 out of 10. Is it just continuing to be a really good issue? A real good book. Mm, I would say it's the best so far. Yeah, because last issue is when we got to jump around. He, The cancer came out. Lori's beating the shit out of people with Night Owl and the thing. Uh, we learn about um, uh, her leaving him because that's the yeah. sex issue. Uh, oh, yeah, right there. Get to see some boot cheeks. Oh, yeah, we get the Black Freighter for the first time in the last issue, which I really liked. The Newsman in a final analysis, which is what I named the last episode. Well, I would say, yeah, this is the best so far. Both out of how well it was written in a non-linear manner that made it seem linear so it's easy to read, despite it being convoluted, and at the same time setting up a lot of information that we need to understand what's going to happen later on in this book. Right, right. It's very, very well written. And this episode will be called The Watchmaker. How can you not? It's too perfect. Too it's, perfect. It's too perfect. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Men of the Machine. I am Kevin. I'm Craig. And thanks for listening. I was busy dreaming about taking you apart. And as you can see, over here we have the Men of the Machine.